This program is produced and distributed by Keep the Faith. Thank you very much, Dr. Mara. We've been in this war for a long time, and it looks like we'll be in it for a much longer time yet. But before beginning the talk on Mary's uh, answer to world peace, I'm reminded of the fact that we live in uh, an age of contestation. Everything, there's, wherever there's a difference, there seems to be a war. The old Marxist uh, uh, policy is make every difference a class warfare, even if it's a sex difference, uh, male, female, if it's a color difference, uh, white, black, yellow, red, you make a war out of it by getting people at each other's throats. Well, anyway, this particular incident is not quite that bad, but we have a pastor who has a housekeeper who really rules the roost. And the poor pastor is a timid little fellow. He's told by the housekeeper when to get up, uh, what time to say his mass. Well, even before that, what suit to wear, what shoes to put on, what time to say his mass, when he'll have breakfast, what he'll have for breakfast, uh, who he's to meet on his uh, agenda of people coming, and uh, when he's to take a rest in the afternoon, and uh, when he may be allowed, if ever, to take a little snort before going to bed at night, see? Well, the pastor said to his, his housekeeper, she's a housekeeper, the bishop has called all of us pastors now to a retreat. And so I'll be away for about four or five days making a retreat. Well, when the pastor went off to make his retreat, he ran into a retreat master who was determined to destroy the power of housekeepers. And so during the retreat, he kept telling him, are you mice or are you men? What has happened to that spirit of the apostles who went out and ruled the world and disturbed emperors and kings and whatnot? Why do you allow your housekeepers to lead you around by the nose and tell you what to do? Now, you've got to strike a blow for freedom. Get back to your parishes and exercise your authority. So at the end of the retreat, the pastor came back and rang the doorbell, and the housekeeper opened it, and immediately he said, get back into the kitchen and stay there. I don't want to see you again until I call you forth. By the way, from now on, I'll decide when I get up what clothes I wear, whether my shoes will be brown or black, what I'll eat for breakfast. I'll decide whom I meet during the day, and incidentally, before I retire at night, I'm going to have a little snort of whiskey. And he stopped short, and he says, now what do you think of that? And she looked at him and she said, that is the last retreat you'll ever make in your life. <laughs> These things happen, don't they? Well, anyway, we're talking about Mary's response to uh, the uh, world peace plan. What is the word peace? What does the word peace? We use, hear it used all the time and misused, by the way. St. Augustine has a beautiful expression that peace is the tranquility of order. And the basic order that gives a person peace is his order with God. Does he love God? Does he observe God's commandments? Is God the most important being in his life? Then if he is, then you have the marvelous relationship of love, obedience, veneration, adoration in a practical life of virtue of a creature 
to his sublime creator, who is all good, who created this creature, made in his own image and likeness, with intelligence, free will, created a, for his own goodness to share divine goodness with him and bring him to the beatific vision. So order, or peace, is the tranquility of order that exists between a creature made in the image and likeness of God in that creature's life of intimate relationship through faith, hope, and love with Almighty God and through, as St. Augustine says, his adherence to the will of God. Adherere Deo, St. Augustine says, that means sanctity. To be a saint to, means to cling to the will of God. Well, now, we're all individuals with free will and intelligence so that we, each one of us, has to come to God in a certain sense in a, on an individual level. You can't just take a whole group and say, I'm going to canonize you all today. No, each of us are called by God with special graces, with special training, to try to live a life that will make us saints. Each new individual that starts existence, human life, has to fight the struggle of coming up from existence to a knowledge and love of God and the service of God in this world so that we can be happy with Him in the next. Now, our Blessed Lady takes this into account. She sees that in the world where many, many people, in fact, so many people have abandoned God, that it is now a social disease. It's not merely an individual rebellion against God. So many people are rebelled. So many people give bad example to one another. Even nations have rebelled, legalizing laws that violate the fundamental law of God against the right of innocent children to life and whatnot. So that Mary comes to three little children and she says, Will you be willing to offer your lives, your sacrifice, your acts of adoration to save sinners on an individual basis? There are many sinners going to hell because nobody's praying for them. Nobody's interested in their souls. So here you have our Blessed Lady first sending St. Michael. And St. Michael calls himself, I am the angel of peace. His whole mission to the little children is to prepare for the coming of the queen of peace to them. And so St. Michael teaches them that wonderful prayer of adoration to our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. This is personal, individual acts of love and adoration which these children are making in order to make reparation for many other blasphemies and sacrileges that are being committed throughout the whole world against our divine Lord in the Holy Eucharist, which is a sign of his infinite love for us since he stays with us. So here you have Our Lady trying to turn around a whole world that's moving and rushing towards atheism, away from God, through the fidelity of three little children and having their fidelity and their love of her peace plan being publicized through their innocence and their sufferings and through the Holy Father to the whole world so that you and I, hearing this message and being touched in heart, can say, I must improve my life. I must become a better follower of Jesus Christ. I must listen to what the Mother of God is asking me to do. I must follow her peace plan. 
There is no such thing as a peace plan that comes down from the United Nations. There is no such thing as a peace plan that comes from politics of any nation. There is no such thing as a successful peace plan that avoids war, any war, in this whole world. At this very moment, there are 45 wars going on all throughout the globe. We don't seem to think about them because they don't touch us immediately, but on a uh, nightline show, every spot was sparked with a flash of where war was taking place and where people were being killed by the thousands and hundreds of thousands. No peace. The devil is succeeding in getting men at each other's throats, killing one another. So the whole purpose of Our Lady in coming is, uh, Our Lady coming to the children is, each one of us has to look at our lives and say, how can I become a better follower of Jesus Christ? How can I make sacrifices for my fellow man? Many souls are being lost. How can I follow our Blessed Lady's plan? How can I imitate her concern for my fellow man, her concern for the church, her concern for souls not being prayed for? How can I really re-appreciate in depth the existence of such a place as hell so that I can save others from ever going there with my prayers and good deeds because Our Lady even showed the little children such a frightful picture of hell that they were screaming at what they saw and these are innocent little children so that we're in a world that is broken away from God and thinks it can give itself everything it's a technocratic marvel. can get to the moon, can send out spaceships to explore the different planets, bring back knowledge of space and the different stars and whatnot. So man feels himself technocratically independent of God. He'll make his own peace plan. We'll decide what to do to bring peace into the world. We'll make this alliance or that alliance. We'll send this number of troops into this area counteract this particular battle, but nothing works because nothing in all of these plans is founded on God. There is no basic peaceful relationship. There is no tranquility of order. The world is in rebellion against God, against the church. It is out to do its own thing. And so Our Lady comes and tells the children, Unless people follow my peace plan, and this is way back in 1917, unless they follow my peace plan, another great war will be inflicted upon the whole human race. And Russia, which was the country that is organized the atheism and legalized it and militarized it and has taken over a billion souls under its aegis of hate God and foster man as God, Russia will spread her errors, many nations will disappear, and war is the result of sin, of the lack of that union with God, which is peace, the tranquility of order. So we have, therefore, our Blessed Lady coming to sell us two things. First, the beginning of peace, true peace, has to begin in the individual heart of each and every one of us. We are saved one by one. We are sanctified one by one. We have a free will. God respects it. The church respects it. He teaches us the truth. 
She tells us what the moral law is we should follow, but it's up to us with our own fidelity to say yes to God. Yes, I know I have weaknesses. I know I face temptations. I know I have the enemies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. But I also know that I have Christ, and I have the grace of the church, of the sacraments, that I have Mary's help, that I have the help of my patrons, of my guardian angel. And with them, I am determined to improve my life, to fight the devil, to resist Satan, who will flee because of the grace God gives me. And so, there is the first thing that since you and I are the sacred cells of society, each person is a sacred cell of society, if we want to save the society, each sacred cell has to strive to become a saint. And we do that by following Our Lady's Peace Plan. If we become saints, then that holiness, that good example, radiates out to others. And they, seeing the good conduct, begin to think, my life should be more like that person's life, like the life Our Lady asked the little children to spread. And the good example radiates out to others, and others are attracted to Christ, and they are converted individually. And they help convert their families because they live together. And they help convert clubs, societies they belong to. And in that way, the individual dedication of the person to God, to Our Lady, to his, her peace plan, spreads socially into the family into society, into public institutions, schools, lawmaking, politics, you name it. But it has to happen this way because God respects the free will of each and every one of us. We have to say yes to God, yes to Our Lady, if we hope to save society. We are the sacred cells of society. You know, if you split the atom, the smallest unit of matter Tremendous disaster results from the explosive forces that are released. Now, if you split the human person away from God, who is the smallest unit, sacred unit of society, tremendous spiritual disaster results from the explosive passions that are released. The passion of pride, the passion of sex, the passion of greed, you split that personality away from God, and the tremendous fallout is destruction for the individual and for society. Now, if you split the individual who's a member of the church, and then split the Catholic Church, which is the only sacred unit, social unit, to save the whole world, then tremendous supernatural disaster results from the confusion the infighting that's going on within the church, the teaching of heresy, the teaching of immorality, the rebellion against, against the Holy Father's teaching, the rebellion against Mary's peace plan. So you see, we are both sacred units made in the image and likeness of God and members of sacred cells of society, the family and the church, all of which have to be sanctified if Mary's peace plan will be accomplished in this life. And it's a slow process. That's the way God made us. You know, you can change things overnight. I can take a glass, melt it down, and push it into uh, some other form, 
some other artistic form. It's a thing. When you're dealing with souls, with men, it's a slow process. We have to be educated. We have to be cajoled. We have to be inspired. We're not things. We're persons made in the image and likeness of God. We move up from the nothingness of non-being and from the nothingness of total ignorance to the being of existence in the image and likeness of God, to the growth in truth, knowledge about God, because we're made for truth, and then to the growth in holiness, the use of the free will to do God's holy will. That's a slow process. And it isn't always a forward process. It goes forward, and there's a fall. And then we have to go back to God and ask for forgiveness and rise again and move forward a little further. It's a slow process, but we must never get discouraged because God who sent, loved us, sent His divine Son to be always with us, to help us move ahead towards the sanctity which He has from all eternity willed for each and every one of us. God never loses patience with us. That is the beauty about the word fidelity. From all eternity, God called each and every one of us to be a saint. Now, God never changes, as St. James says, Every good gift comes down from heaven, from the Father above, with whom there is no shadow of change or alteration. So God's infinite love and plan for each and every one of us from all eternity it was set to make us saints, to give us a special, uh, a special vocation in life. As Cardinal Newman says, there's a work that God has for each and every one of us, a work of sanctity, sanctifying ourselves, helping others to be sanctified, that nobody else can take. There is no substitute, no possible substitute for you as an individual before God. We are each uniquely loved, personally from all eternity, and God will never change in that love. So what happens? What happens when the world falls apart? It leaves infinite love. God, unchanged, behind, and goes about its own business of rebelling against God, falling for secular humanism, falling for a morality of eroticism, falling for intellectual pride, falling for uh, uh, different ideologies like Marxism, humanism, modernism, false philosophies, because they tend to give the intellect the great puff that somehow or other man is his own intelligence, his own truth, he's sufficient unto himself, he doesn't need God. So what happens when the world goes down to destruction? Nothing changes in God. He is the most faithful of all beings. When he makes a decision, and he made this from all eternity, he will never. When Judas left Christ, Christ's love for Judas did not change. His vocation to Judas was not taken away from Judas. Judas left infinite love behind and threw his vocation away. Had he come back with the other apostles, he would have still been a bishop and one of the founders of the Catholic Church. When Peter came back after denying Christ, our Lord didn't say to Peter as we would do in everyday life, Well, Peter, I made you head of my church, but you denied me. Three times. Well, okay, I forgive you, but I'm going to change plans. Instead of you, John is going to be the Pope. 
because John was faithful. No, our Lord is not fickle. God's not fickle. He picked Peter, and it was going to be Peter as long as he came back. And what did he say? Three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter knew what's happening. Three times he had to confess his love for Christ. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. In other words, God is not fickle. We're the fickle ones. And now Our Lady is coming to tell us to change that fickleness to fidelity. Imitate God's fidelity. Or imitate Mary's fidelity. When Mary is asked by the angel to take on this tremendous role of being the mother of God. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. When Simeon tells her in the temple, you're going to have a terrible experience in life, swords will pierce your heart on account of this child. She doesn't look back. She ponders God's will. She moves forward. Whatever God wants, that's what I want. When she's at the foot of the cross, and she sees her divine son made so criminal a creature on the cross that Scripture says he's a worm and no man. Mary doesn't say, I wish God had not done this. No, she unites herself with Christ, her son, accepting the ignominy, accepting the degradation, accepting the blasphemies, accepting the death, and the horrible um, uh, fun that's being made of a son, because that's God's will. That's the way Christ is going to save mankind through his love of total self-sacrifice. Now, that is what Our Lady is trying to tell us, that we've got to imitate her fidelity and the fidelity of her divine son. Remember our Lord... St. Paul tells us, when he's talking to the Corinthians whom he was dearly in love with, because he founded the church, he said, Has my conduct with you been fickle? Have I been sometimes yes and sometimes no? He says, No, I've always been yes to you. I've always given you everything Christ wanted me to give you. Just as our divine Lord Jesus Christ was never yes or no with his Father. He was always yes. He emptied himself and gave himself to mankind to save mankind, and never drew back. Having joy set before him, he lets it go, choosing the cross, because he loved us. Christ was always yes. St. Paul was always yes to the Corinthians. No matter how badly they treated him, no matter how much they calumniated him, we have to always say yes to Mary and to God for his plan in our lives to make us saints. This is fidelity. There'll be obstacles. There'll be temptations. There'll be bad examples. There'll be scandals. There'll be people that we hoped would lead us to God, priests, bishops, and others, who will be leading us away. We pray for them. We pray to Mary for strength, to the Holy Spirit for courage. And weak as we are, as the apostles were, as long as we pray, we will be transformed, as the apostles were transformed, into courageous followers of Jesus Christ, courageous evangelizers of Mary's message of peace. We're not counting on number one. If we did, that's what leads to failure. That's what leads to the loss of peace. When man counts on himself, he counts on a reed, he's going to fail. But when man distrusts himself and says, only with God's grace can I follow out Mary's peace plan, can I become really a follower of Jesus Christ in word and in deed, then he will have success. Because our Lord tells us, 
Without me, you can do nothing, nothing but evil. Nothing for salvation. Nothing for sanctity. But with me, with God, all these things are possible. As he tells the apostles, when they said, well, how can these people get to heaven? And our Lord said, with man it's impossible, but with God everything is possible. So what is it that Mary is telling us to do? She's telling us to use spiritual means to accomplish God's holy will, because we cannot use merely natural means. We can use natural means, but imbued and incarnated and suffused with spiritual, supernatural motives. We use natural means to get to God. But the first thing she says when she sends the angel to the children, Fear not, I am the angel of peace. Pray for me. Prayer. Absolutely essential. Today's battle will get nowhere against Satan because our battle is against powers and principalities. That is the forces of Satan, the underworld. Not against flesh and blood merely. But prayer is an absolutely spiritual means. Pray always, says our Lord to us. And of course, Our Lady immediately says, Pray. Pray a great deal. The hearts of Jesus and Mary have merciful designs on you. This is St. Michael telling the little children what to do. Offer prayers and sacrifices continually to the Most High. Make everything you do a sacrifice. The morning offering does that for us. O oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer thee all my prayers, works, joy, sufferings, intentions of this day in honor of your Sacred Heart and for the intentions of the Holy Father. The whole day is consecrated. We shouldn't make that become such a formal, rather such a, a banal occupation that we've lost sight of the spiritual dedication behind it. We have to dust off our prayers. The dust of time tends to make us become really habitually non-conscious of what we're really doing when we pray. Dust off by contemplation, by prayer, by sacrifice. Dust off those prayers and make them prayers of fire, of love. As our Lord said, I am come to cast fire upon the earth. And what will I but that it be enkindled? And so there you had St. Michael saying he's also the guardian angel of Portugal to try to help that nation. And every nation has its guardian angel. We have our guardian angels. There's another devotion that people have forgotten about which will help them become saints because the guardian angel is more concerned about making us saints than we are about taking care of our even, even our temporal ones. Again, she told the youngsters when finally Our Lady appeared that many souls go to hell because they have no one to pray for them or make sacrifices for them. We should do that. We have a lot of sacrifices that are unavoidable. You have a bad cold. You're laid up with a sickness. You fall and break a leg. You jam a thumb. All these little things can be supernaturalized. Someone insults you and you hold your temper and give a, a, a gentle reply. In other words, throughout our lives, as St. Paul says, whether you eat or sleep or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. All of these things can be made avenues of grace for our fellow man and ourselves. And Our Lady tells the children to do that. And then, of course, she tells them what their mission is going to be. Two of them will die a little earlier than the others, and the other, the other will remain to, uh, to pray and uh, to carry on the message of Our Lady to the Holy Father. Again, Our Lady stretched out her hands to show them what happens to lost souls. And they had a terrible... You know, today, that's another sign of a loss of faith. People don't want to hear sermons on hell 
on purgatory. Everybody's going to heaven. All you have to do is look at the requiem mass. Requiem mass, no longer do they sing the Dies Irae or pray. Everybody's rejoicing that the soul's in heaven. Well, gee, maybe the soul isn't in heaven. Our lady told one of the children that one of their friends who had died would be in purgatory to the end of the world. Well, one would suppose that that soul needs prayers to help it get out of purgatory and get into heaven sooner. So, the harsh sayings of Jesus, the truths that deal with final judgment, particular judgment, with God's punishment of sin, with the danger of falling into hell, with, for example, the coming of the Antichrist and all of the tremendous uh, apocalyptic tragic events that will take place at the end of the world. These are soft pedal, not mentioned. Everything seems to be a soft, comfortable Catholicism. That is not what Our Lady's message is all about. It's prayer, penance, pray for the souls that they won't fall into hell, and do everything you can to help priests come back to a spiritual life so that they can save souls. Mary tells the truth the way it is. She doesn't hide the hard truths. So she showed them, as they peered into the dreadful place of hell, the terrified youngsters saw huge numbers of devils and damned souls. The devils resembled hideous black animals, each filling the air with despairing shrieks. The damned souls were in their human bodies and seemed to be brown in color, fumbling, tumbling about, constantly in the flames and screaming with terror. All were on fire within and without their bodies, and neither devils nor damned souls seemed able to control their movements. They were tossing about like the flames, like fiery coals in a furnace. There was never an instant of peace or freedom from pain. There is the worst loss of peace. The loss of God for all eternity is complete loss of peace. That is the second death, and that is what Mary came to save millions of souls from falling into through our prayers, the prayers of the children, our sacrifices, their sacrifices, through a renewal in a devout, fervent life with Jesus Christ and with His Holy Mother. Again, Our Lady foretold, as you know, that if the world wouldn't listen to a message, it would fall into a terrible war as punishment of sin. Notice, punishment of sin, the wrath of God, is again an effect of man's refusal to live in peace with God in tranquility, in love, in intimate faith, hope, and charity, love. War is a punishment for man's rebellions against God. They will always be, there will always be wars as long as man rebels. Then Our Lady tells them how to pray. I am the Lady of the Rosary. That is a marvelous uh, devotion. You remember at the Battle of Lepanto, the Christians went into the battle with the rosary in one hand and their swords in the other. And Our Lady gave Christendom the victory when the Turks, the heretics, the infidels were trying to wipe out Christianity. Our Lady is just as powerful today as she was then. She loses none of her infinite petitionary power with God. And so if we trust her the way our forebears did in the days of Don Juan of Austria defeating the Turks, she'll give us the victory too. Christ will give us the victory. Ask and you shall receive. Live the gospel, and you will have the victory. This is your victory, says St. John, your faith, your living faith, faith living with good deeds. She told them that many souls go to hell because of the sins of the flesh. Certain fashions are introduced. We know that. Fashions in dress, fashions in uh, 
speech that are very degrading of the soul and lead to sin. Many marriages are broken. They're no longer any good. You know how many marriages today are broken, remarriages. Many uh, people don't even live in marriage. They live in concubinage. That's spreading through the universities and colleges where it gets started. Again, she says, please pray for priests that they may be pure, very pure. They should not busy themselves with secular occupations, with anything except what concerns the church and the salvation of souls. You see the Holy Father insisting that nuns get out of politics, priests get out of politics. Get back to your vocation, the highest vocation you can have, the vocation of Christ, to give your whole life to save souls. Five priests in Nicaragua, rebelling against the church, communists, out-and-out communists, they are now persecuting the bishops down there, the Catholic bishops. Five priests in the government who gave up their priestly vocation and are now Marxists. They're persecuting the mesquite Catholic Indians. They're disin dispossessing them of their land and pushing them in other parts of the country to use as slave labor. These were once priests, followers of Christ, now doing the work of Satan. Our Lady said, that has to stop. The Blessed Mother can no longer restrain the hand of a divine son from striking the world with just punishment for its many crimes. If the government of a country leaves the church in peace and gives liberty to our holy religion, it will be blessed by God. But what government's doing that? Every, practically every so-called Christian government in the West, except Ireland, has come out and legalized abortion. They violated a basic law of the Ten Commandments against God. They're not leaving the church in peace. They are attacking the church, which is the champion of the moral law of God as well as of the revelationary dogmas of the truth, of, of, of the Catholic faith. The church is being attacked. She's being ridiculed. She's being degraded. She's being pushed out of public life. Religion is supposed to be a private thing, and never mind having anything to do with God in public life. God is really... God is a non-important being in the public life of man. Again, tell everybody that God gives graces to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Again, Our Lady asks us to have a devotion to her Immaculate Heart because it is the will of a son to so honor her that he will save the world from these terrible tragedies through the Immaculate Heart of his mother. And if that's God's will, that should be our will because the will of God is what makes us saints. Again, Coming down to some of the other things, we can give you a, a black picture of how bad things are. We all know that. Uh, in life in the United States, if you just want to look at it quickly, something you know, one out of every three marriages ends in divorce, broken home, advocates of birth control are everywhere. Abortion is spreading so that millions of innocents are killed every year. By a conservative estimate, a million abortions are performed in the United States alone. Over 98% of them among married women. Imagine the terrible, unnatural crime of killing life you help to create in cooperation with the love of God who loves that child. Prostitution, juvenile delinquency, sex crimes, immorality, money, material possessions, fame, everything is the me generation. What can I get out of life? Not what can I give to God, to my fellow man. Too many men and women are turning to drink instead of to God to solve their problems, and of course they solve no problems. Worst of all, there is an organized attempt which is coming out into the open more and more to deny the existence of God and to destroy Him in the minds of youth 
and in the minds of our country, every one of these decisions, legal decisions, are attempting to pull out the foundations of America, which were Christian, pull them out and substitute piles or foundations that are secularistic humanism, which are built on sand because they're built on selfishness. And anything built on selfishness, along comes the trials, the winds of adversity, and the house falls. Anything built on selflessness, on adherence to God, that society will remain. Remember what Scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So if we build our lives on selflessness, self-donation of of a whole being to God, to His Blessed Mother, to the Church, to our fellow man, observing the first and second commandments as the lodestars of our lives, we will build a temple that no temptations of Satan, no scandals, no adversary winds or storms or heretical hurricanes will be able to knock down because we're living on the rock of Jesus Christ, on the rock of the Catholic Church. Again, Scripture is being demythologized in order to lead people into false interpretations and to deny the fact that Scripture is the revealed Word of God and that the Holy Spirit is the author of it and that only the Catholic Church, because she has the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, she put the Bible together. Nobody knew which were the inspired books and which were the apocryphal ones. Only the Catholic Church could put it together because she alone has the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, the author of the Bible, who will not allow her to make a mistake when she decides this book is revealed by God, this book is apocryphal, it doesn't belong. She is infallible. So whenever people attack the church's uh, uh, custodianship of the Bible, you say, where did the Bible come from? It was the Catholic Church with the guidance of the Holy Spirit that gave us this marvelous book. She also can tell us what each and every sentence of it means in God's revelation. And therefore, the scholars, the critics, are not our leaders. They are demythologizing, destroying the supernatural in Scripture. Mary wants us to listen to the magisterium of the church in this matter. Mary, therefore, pleaded for constant prayers of the rosary. That the Holy Father pleaded for himself. Then the first five first Saturdays, Consist in going to confession, receiving Holy Communion, reciting five decades of the Rosary, spending 15 minutes with Our Lady, meditating on the mysteries of the Rosary. This is really living in the presence of God and of our Blessed Lady. And Mary, the Mediatrix of all graces, cannot but help to make saints of us and make us, therefore, fruitful instruments in spreading the love and message of Christ. You know, St. John Chrysostom said, and he was fighting the Gnostics in his day. He said, it is as impossible for a true Catholic not to radiate Christ out to his fellow man so that they can be attracted to Christ as it is for the sun not to radiate out its rays so as to give light and warmth to everything it falls upon. So you see, God draws men through the cords of Adam. If the cords of Adam are as strong as a St. Peter, a St. Paul, the Apostles. If they are aflame with the love of God, they're going to draw others to Christ. But if the cords of Adam are rotted out, if they're rotted out with heresy, if they're rotted out with immorality, if they're rotted out with secular humanism, 
if they're rotted out, for example, with the, a demythologized understanding of the Scripture, they're not going to attract anyone to Christ. They're going to turn people away from Christ because the pull of the cord, it's rotten, it'll break. Nobody is going anywhere but away from God. God wants us to help one another come to salvation. That's the way He honors us. By making us in His own image and likeness, we are not saved without our own cooperation. He saves us, but we have to cooperate. That's the great dignity God gives us, that we are participants in our own sanctification and salvation, and we are participants in the sanctification and salvation of our fellow man. That's the work of Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we have a tremendous role in that same work. How could God have honored us more than by giving us that type of vocation? Mary is reminding us of that. We've forgotten about it. We've taken it for granted. Now she's come and she said, No, this is God's will for you. Your sanctification and the sanctification of your fellow man. This is why we must become followers of Mary. So these are the main points of Mary's plan. If we follow them, we can become saints. Newman says this, and I'll finish on this particular analogy. Newman says, no matter how bad the picture gets, this is Cardinal Newman, who came from Anglicanism and saw the ravages of the religion of reason and the falling away of people into making a religion merely a social veneer, a veneer of society. Newman said, no matter how bad things get, remember this, when you see these signs of attacking the church and attacking Christ, attacking the, the, the goodness of God, he says, our Lord says, look up and remember your salvation is at hand. He says, that is the time that we should form islands of holiness. Our families should become islands of holiness. Greater fidelity, greater prayer, greater ad, ad, uh, use of the sacraments, greater acts of penance of self-sacrifice, of goodness to others, acts of charity. That's the time that we make of our home, he calls it, an island of holiness. And that's the time that groups like yours, which came together today, get together, and because of the same love of Christ and of our Blessed Lady and of our fellow man, because of the same hatred of sin, of Satan, and of his evil kingdom of darkness, we get together and make not only islands of holiness as individual families, but islands of holiness as families of fidelity, families of Roman Forum, families of the Wanderer, you name it, families of Catholics United for the Faith. That united action inspires each one of us to live a more devout, intimate love, life of love and fidelity with Jesus Christ and His Holy Mother. And remember, Christ and one saint on His side is more than powerful to overcome the whole kingdom of demons and the whole kingdom of human agents that are evil fighting on the side of the demons. Christ and one of us can conquer the whole world of evil. Think of what Christ and all of us can do. And that's what he wants. He wants to honor us with the same vocation he has, with the same vocation his holy mother had, to witness to the faith, to suffer for the faith, to live for the faith, to even maybe die for the faith, who knows, but above all, to share the crown of victory with him for all eternity, and end that crown to bring many of our fellow man to heaven, to the beatific, beatific vision with us, because we have followed Mary's peace plan. This is what 
the tranquility of order, peace means for each and every one of us. It means communion with God through union with the Blessed Mother, through fidelity to the Catholic Church's teaching in dogma and in morals. It means becoming a saint, adhering to the holy will of God. Thank you very much.